welcome back to It's Your Favourite Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I recruit you to help me educate my boyfriend about musical theatre. I am the boyfriend. And I am Drew. And I, appropriately, have just started my second coffee of the day, because mm-hmm. we have a very special guest, Ray from Not Before Coffee. Hey everybody, what do you mean you're only your second coffee? <laughs> <laughs> I'm slacking today. Yesterday I think I had about six coffees in the end, but I blame that on the Costa 50p deal that was running. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my normal, I think. <laughs> How are you doing? It's good to finally have you on the show. I am doing very well. It's Friday evening, it's sunny and we have the weekend. And we're inside talking about musicals. Yes, indeed. That's kind of appropriate. It's the best way to start a Friday, I think. Yeah, I think so. So you're obviously here to talk to us about what your favourite musical is, but you actually have a really interesting history with musical theatre because you used to perform in local theatre. I did indeed, a very long time ago. We're talking probably about 30 years, if not a little bit longer. I started off at in school theatre. And I was, we did things like The Sound of Music. We had a really good music department for primary school and secondary. And I would perform, we did Sound of Music, Oliver, Annie. We even had our own musicals written for us. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, we did one called Pied Piper of Hamelin. And I still remember the song we sang, (laughs) which is really funny. Because we are talking, I think I sang that song on stage three times when I was nine. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing what we remember. I haven't listened to the soundtrack to Oliver for years. I haven't watched the film for years, but I could still probably do the majority of Boy For Sale just because I did it when I was 11 years old. Yeah, that is so funny though, because my school, my primary school did The Pied Piper of Hamelin and the music was written for us for that show. And I still remember all the songs to it. It's just like, do we all just do Pied Piper in primary school? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we did some weird, we did um, Ruth as well from the Bible, because obviously I went to a CE school that was relatively religious and that they made us go to church. And we did, we did so many different plays. We'd only do one at Christmas and then we'd have massive concerts in the summer. But then I went to secondary school and I was, because I'd been in the orchestra and the choir, I was automatically kind of fathered, grandfathered in to the choir and the orchestra at secondary school. And we tended to do far more just chorale performances. But then by then I'd already done Annie on our local theatre stage and things like that. So you kind of went into secondary school as a bit of a prodigy? No, the, the thing was we had such a good musical set up at a primary school that going into the secondary school, anybody who'd been in the choir or the orchestra had the option to go into the choir or the orchestra at secondary school. We still had to audition but they already they had that in. It wasn't a case of you've got to go through three auditions as we did at primary school, which was really weird. My poor brother, he tried so many times that he's got my mum's deaf ear. 
Sounds so cool, but he tried so many times to get into the choir because my sister and I were both in it, and every single time, Miss Frost would look at him or Miss Ayres would look at him and go, again? <laughs> oh, that's so <laughs> sad. I didn't have that experience, luckily. I think I gave up on choir when I was year seven because I just knew that my voice was going away, that it, it hadn't previously, and I think I knew that I just lost the ability to sing in the way (laughs) that I used to be able to and I thought no this isn't fun anymore I I loved it I loved I'm not sure if it was because I liked belonging to something but it was always music with me I started uh one of the things I did I love the recorder and I know that people go oh my god everybody plays the recorder but I have still got my original desk hand and treble recorders and my dad bought me my treble <laughs> and he passed away when I was 11 so that is 36 years it's probably a lot older than that and my desk hand is still in the same it's still actually still got the material packaging that it came in that's so cool but I love that kind of stuff and I always have done and I think that's where my love of musicals though comes from my grandmother yes you've spoken to me in the past about you know your your grandmother's influence yeah she was a very big influence every single saturday and sunday i'm sure that 70s and 80s kids will be able to tell you this from memory bbc2 would play musicals every saturday and sunday morning <laughs> and <laughs> they were things like seven brides of seven brothers calamity jane kiss me kate and my favorite so <laughs> it, that was where my love for them came from definitely uh changed we we've gone from saturday morning musicals to saturday morning cartoons it's definitely not got the same culture i think but yeah not for the 90s kids not for the 90s kids who grew up on x-men no but we we did have yeah oh i loved (laughs) x-men that's a classic (laughs) i even liked x-men evolution but oh yeah (laughs) derisive (laughs) I I liked that one I liked the way that they did it the story with Miss Sleep was good but that's not a musical (laughs) maybe one day day they'll make it into one but yeah we did have I mean BBC One and ITV did have things like Going Live and Number 73 which were Mm. traditional kids TV for the mornings but then of course now they don't even have that because it's now cooking no. programs and reruns of what's been on during the week because they have channels which we did not have. Yeah, it's it's the advent, isn't it, of you know Sky and all the streaming platforms where you can just find anything. You know, CBeebies especially. Like, I've got friends who have kids, and I look at CBeebies and I think, how can you sustain a whole channel of this? And then obviously it stops at a certain time, but yeah, back in my day, <laughs> in the 90s, you'd have your morning cartoons and then that would be it. You'd move on and you wouldn't watch anything. That's the thing. I mean, we didn't have that so much. With Going Live in number 73, they had cartoons and other programmes in within them. Kind of like SMTV Live and Live yeah, and Kicking. Yeah, it was before those yeah it was the beginning of those programs but at the same time if I was at my grandmother's it was musicals it was whatever I grew up with Deanna Durbin, Esther Williams, Doris Day, Audrey Hepburn 
I grew up with all of that, even though they were from before my time, because that's what my nan wanted to watch. Yeah. Well, so speaking of your favourite musical, what are we going to be talking about today? We are going to be talking about 1976's The Slipper and the Rose, The Story of Cinderella, as it's subtitled. Excellent. <laughs> so we... What is it with UK productions and subtitles? Like We understand that this is Cinderella. I don't think we need the... The little addition, in case you didn't Ridiculous. know, by the, the, the imagery of a glass slipper. Mm. That's the thing that I don't... The film itself, the cover is actually the two stars and you can't tell from the title itself that it's about Cinderella unless they mention that yeah it's the so the US theatrical release poster is like Cinderella holding up the slipper but the UK one is just the the two leads embracing oh I think I've seen that one it's on my Amazon wish list yeah we need to watch it (laughs) we really really do you do definitely need to watch it. I, one thing I found really surprising when I was looking at it, as a child, I don't know about anybody else, but most children, especially now, have a very short attention span. Yes. Mm-hmm. So films for kids are normally, what, 90 minutes, if not a tiny bit less. Yeah. This is two hours, 23 minutes. Oh, God. <laughs> is that longer than Phantom? Possibly, I think Phantom is close. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like it. That's oh, good. <laughs> that is the hallmark of quality, though, isn't it? Is when you can watch something and you just get lost in it. Mm. For me, that's Endgame. I saw Endgame five times at the cinema, and it never once dragged. And that is obviously a three-hour epic film. But because I was just so sucked into the world and into the characters and having a great time, it didn't feel that long. See, my attention span is not that long. No, it isn't. I've noticed. <laughs> I'm a grown adult. My attention span is not that long. That's the but... thing. I went and saw Endgame at the cinema, but I did it as a double bill with yes, Infinity same. War mm-hmm. on the midnight showing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I showed up at nine o'clock to watch the first one and got home at quarter to four. Yeah. It was a great night. It literally <laughs> it was, got me through fantastic. that week. I was like, I'm on such a high. I had kids who were all excited as well. And all we were talking was was endgame theories because just everyone wanted to know what happened. But getting I back made... to <laughs> musicals. <laughs> That's the thing though. Exactly. This one this one really did for me. I was so surprised when I saw how long it was because yeah. I never felt it was that long a film. And you'd notice it as a child. You would you would yeah, notice. You would. Well, you you think so. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, maybe it was my interpretation because, of course, on BBC Two, there were no ad breaks. Yeah. There also, at that time, was no live causing. There was no VCR. Yeah. So it wasn't a case of, oh, record this bit because I'm going to miss it. I need to go to the toilet. You just have to watch it. You had to watch the whole thing yeah. through or miss it. Did they not even do like an intermission then? So there wasn't even like a five minute grace period as an intermission. It just went all the way through. Yeah. Wow. They used to do that. I mean, Gone with the Wind is nearly four hours long. Yeah. They used to show that, that the entire thing, it used to be on every single Christmas without fail. And they showed the entire thing on BBC Two all the way through with no breaks. One year they did it as a two-parter. But only one year. 
<laughs> and clearly that wasn't successful. Everyone was like, no, you pulled us out of Gone with the Wind. We want it in its full. Yeah. Can you imagine that would have been a musical? So was, <laughs> oh, that would be a great musical. That would be a that would be an interesting experiment. That'd be almost Harry Potter and the Cursed Child levels of you have to see part one and then and go then back for part, part two. two. Mm, I don't care for that. <laughs> no, it feels the book is I mean the book is epic. Yeah. It's huge. It is a really huge book. So it was understandable that was going to be long. So you were introduced to this one in the same way by your grandmother? I was introduced to this. I was probably, it came out when I was two. So I was probably about five, maybe six when I saw it the first time. And yeah, it was my grandmother, as with all of the musicals that I watched when I was growing up. And I think she probably thought it was going to appeal to me because it was... Disney-esque, it was yeah. magical. The co- I mean, the costumes are stunning in this. So stunning. And, I mean, for the most part, there's only one member of the cast that's not British. Oh, wow. Hmm. It is a, a sort of a testament to strong British casts of the 70s, this entire cast. Yeah. Which is fantastic. It's so interesting as well, because... Obviously, this is a Sherman Brothers musical. It is indeed. And they did Mary Poppins and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yes, indeed. Yay, points for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're learning. See, you are learning something. This is it. Like, it, the knowledge is sticking in my head. You know, I may putting the connections there. And I don't know if I just know the Sherman Brothers because of Saving Mr. Banks or, or if it's because we covered Mary Poppins Returns. But... Names are sticking in my heads now, which is good. Mm. But this only exists as a film. Yes, it does. It only exists as a film. This is the only time it was ever recorded. There, it, getting hold of the soundtrack is very, very difficult. I think mm. I found one copy of it for sale for like £56 or something. Wow. It is super expensive. My grandmother had the LP. And there are 15 songs. I've been and listened to a few of them. Not all of them. <laughs> I think I heard you listening to one of them and I had to ask, was that Rex Harrison? Yeah, so it was the the yeah. opening number with Richard Chamberlain. Yeah, Richard Chamberlain and Christopher Gable. Yeah, and you were like, oh, that sounds like Rex Harrison. I was like, oh, well, interestingly, Richard Chamberlain played Rex Harrison's character in My Fair Lady, but no, it is not him. <laughs> it's that he's the only non-English member of the cast. That will explain why he sounds like that. (laughs) (laughs) How he's grown up is watching Rex Harrison. So this one is is a real nostalgic one for you, obviously growing up and being introduced to it by your your grandmother. Is it one that, you know, is it regular viewing for you as you've grown up or is it one that you... I still watch it. I actually, years ago, I don't like mentioning the Mail on Sunday, um, actually did this dvd giveaway yes they did old musicals and older tv um older tv films and things and i noticed that the slipper in the rose was the film of the week yeah so i went out and bought the mail on sunday which makes you feel like you need to purge yourself (laughs) yeah i know but on my way home I took the DVD out of the newspaper and threw the paper in the bin and got <laughs> home with the DVD. 
See, I used to work, whilst I was at university, I worked for WH Smith. And there are so many occasions where people would, during these times where you get the free DVD or free bit of Lego, mm-hmm. they would buy the newspaper and then say, hey, do you want to just keep the newspaper and sell it again? Because I have no interest in reading this. Yeah, I've got the, well, I had, I don't have them anymore, the complete works of Agatha Christie. Yeah because of that and i would go in and just like buy the newspaper and then just take the book off and bin the newspaper immediately i was so lucky that because i worked there we would have cases of the dvds or lego i would always just get to take one free home at the end of the day (laughs) that i would never need to actually you know sully myself by purchasing the mail on sunday the problem is back in the i'd say early 90s when i got my copy of the dvd they actually supplied the paper. You know how now they supply the papers and you have to put them all together? Yes. They used to supply them in plastic. Yeah. So, it'd come so in the it would come package. in the big package with the DVD slotted inside yeah. the package and you had to take the lot. It wasn't a case of somebody could sell it again. It just It's one of those ones that it's such clever marketing on their part because oh, absolutely. people Definitely. will go and they will buy these. Whether you want, whether you agree with you know the the newspapers in question you you are you are playing their game because you need to have this dvd or you need to have this bit of lego it's such a clever marketing ploy especially today when print media is dying yeah exactly so what is it exactly about the slipper and the rose that is special to you why do you keep coming back to it other than childhood nostalgia the songs I absolutely, there were a couple of songs like Tell Him, which is sung by Gemma Craven, and this was her first ever film. She went on to star in, I can't even remember, there was a film, a TV series that she starred in in 78 that really made her name. But this was her first ever role, she was an unknown. And the song Tell Him is so powerful to me, because there is quite a dark reprise to it like a dark reprise and there's a very very dark chorus Mm. basically she's saying she's been told that she can't marry the prince she has to stay away from him and the family is smuggling her out of the castle and she sings this song basically saying tell him everything you can tell him i was awful i was playing games with his heart i didn't love him but don't tell him i love him because that will break it and it is such a powerful song and they also had some really good ballads and some funny songs. There was a song called Proto-Colligorically Correct. <laughs> oh, try oh, saying that one I before your coffee. Oh no! I actually struggled saying that one about six times. <laughs> do you have to sing that line? Is that a word you have to sing? Yes. Oh, that's that's up there with Sondheim's I'm Not Getting Married Today as just cruel. Oh, tongue twister. Yeah. But then you think about it, it was written by the same people who wrote Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of follows a pattern. It does. The Sherman brothers just like trolling people. That's all yeah. it is. See what they can get away with. Mm. So obviously Cinderella is a story that has been done time and time and time again. Yeah. And I think, you know, growing up today, you kind of expect Cinderella to be done with Disney in mind, where it's happily ever after. How does this fare? For me, what I'm missing in a Cinderella story, and obviously Andrew Lloyd Webber is is opening Cinderella, mm. is <laughs> does this one fit the more traditional Grimm's version of Cinderella, or is this 
you know, can you see the Disney influence in it? She, I don't think you have so much of a Disney influence. And Margaret Lockwood plays the wicked stepmother. And if you've seen her in anything, she was incredible. She was always the bad guy. Yeah. She was very impo- a very imposing actress, very stern in appearance, and she played her part perfectly. There wasn't the traditional, oh, they met, they're getting married, she lost her slipper, happily ever after. That doesn't exist in this. Oh, that's good. We do get the happily ever after, but not until everything has been ripped to shreds. <laughs> good. <laughs> and I like, I mean, that's why I think the film lasts so long. She is sent away, she's given, she's not sent away and sent back to her home. She's sent away so he can't find her. And he does find her in the end, obviously, because otherwise there wouldn't be the happy ever after. But it's not as straightforward. They meet, they dance, they fall in love, they get married. Oh, yeah, because it's it's one of my few criticisms. Because I, I love the story of Cinderella. You know, when we covered the Rogers of Hammerstein version, you know, it's kind of what more can you bring to the story? But sometimes it's just, it's so love at first sight. And I'd like a little bit more from that. Mm. And yeah, well, it seems from the clips that I've seen from the research I did when I, I <laughs> knew this was going to be the one you were talking about that the prince is the main character, he kind of is. I mean, he's the first person you see in the film, mm-hmm. he is the first person who get actually, he's not the first song, but he's the second song you get because he sings, Why Can't I Be Two People. Yes, I listened to that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the funny thing is there are a couple of songs in this film that don't appear in the American version. Yeah, I saw that. So they cut What's Love Got to Do With Being Married? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a fantastic song. Well, the thing is, they're royal, and it's the Dowager Queen and the King and his wife who is basically saying, seriously, you're royal, get over it. <laughs> oh, so yeah. this is quite a powerful uh, show that could still be important in 2021 then in some ways not necessarily where he gets his happy ending with the woman he's intently wants to marry but at the same time his family are going seriously it's a duty <laughs> and they cut i can't forget the melody yeah that's the song that you that she sings that cinderella sings when she has basically been exiled from the kingdom oh wow and she's she's yeah and she's singing i can't forget the melody just although our song is through so although she's no longer allowed to see see him or think about him or him see her she can't forget everything they went through together Ooh, nice i really like the sound of this one yeah it's, it's it cool. is fantastic i do love it yeah it's difficult to do things with cinderella I have watched, I think, every version of Cinderella that's ever been released, musical and non-musical. Personally, I think the Lizzie, not Lizzie McGuire, what's her actual name? Hilary Duff. Yeah, the Hilary Duff one. Love that movie. Yeah. But there are just so many versions of it. I feel like it's so difficult to bring anything new. It's like Christmas Carol, isn't it, almost, in terms of... Like, what are you going to do to this story Yeah. to bring your own twist to it? And I think we don't get a whole lot with princes ever they're mostly just sort of 
idiot boys who can't tell a girl <laughs> face from another. Look it into the woods. Yeah. He, I mean, to be fair, his prince is quite sensible. And there are a couple of songs that you you hear. One of them is What a Comforting Thing to Know. Mm. And he's basically going through the family crypt. <laughs> and he's saying things like, oh, What a Comforting Thing to Know. Here lies good King Frederick. Oh, the battles that he won. And he's talking about all his dead ancestors and basically saying, well, this guy, <laughs> here he lies, and he's still getting nothing done. Brilliant. <laughs> and he's talking about the people, he's trying to figure out his relevance in society. Mm. I like which that. Which is great. So I think this is it. Cinderella is obviously great as a story because, you know, we're looking at what she has to overcome. And and versions of Cinderella touch upon, you know, the the prince, you know, not wanting to just marry anyone like his family insists, but they don't flesh it out as much. And it's quite nice to see kind of the hidden story of Cinderella, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the cast is amazing. We've even got Annette Crosby. She plays the um, fairy godmother. Amazing. Victor Meldrew's wife. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I really do, every time I think about something that makes me happy when it comes to film, this is one of the ones that I can honestly say I don't watch it and not enjoy it. It's, it's one that, you know, the advent of it hasn't worn out as you've grown up. It continues to just be everything it always has been and then some. I still sing the songs in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That's that's how you know it, it's a good soundtrack because you know we've just covered. I say this through gritted teeth. High School Musical two, and you loved and it. Obviously, I have to give it to <laughs> some of the songs they have been stuck in my head since. And you know, luckily I'm singing them in the shower because I can get myself feeling clean having sung them. But that's how you know it's it's uh, I guess a good soundtrack that's resonated with you because they just they work your way into your head and never leave. Isn't one of the songs from that, What Time Is It? Yeah. Yes. Speaking of shower performances, if you got the chance to star in this, if you were just offered, you can play anyone you want, who would you want to be? I'd want to be Cinderella because she has the best songs. <laughs> <laughs> she really does. She has the best ballads, the ones with the most passion, and some incredible duets. There's one basically... Cinderella and the prince are talking after they've danced together at the ball and it's called he stroke she danced with me so it's a it's not even a duet because they're no longer together when they sing it yeah and it's fantastic it's amazing oh I like the sound of that one that's very last five years that kind of both singing in the same place at the same time but you're not actually there singing with each other yeah Mm. I like that. They're sharing those emotions. And I think that it's also got more songs than a large number of musicals have these days. 15 is a, is a hefty amount of, of, of songs. It's, you know, removed from your Hamiltons or your Les Mis, where essentially the whole thing is a song. Yeah. We tend to average about 10 to 11 per musical, I would In think. The film ones, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But this one has 15. Well, that brings us very, very well to our you know, next question is, you've talked a lot about the songs you love. 
yeah. you know, if you had to, you know, give us a best song and a skip song, what would you say is your best song? What would you say is your skip song? Oh, wow. I'd say my skip song would be Bride Finding Ball. Yeah. Mostly because I find it, it's literally, it's da, 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 da. It's like, no, that, that's just not enough. Yeah, I get and, that. Oh, God. <laughs> it's the impossible question. It's the impossible question because there are so many songs that I love. Because what a comforting thing to know is a fun song. I can't forget the melody is really sad. But I think probably out of all of them, it would be Tell Him. Yeah. Because Just because it takes that dark twist on it. It takes that dark twist and it's almost painful. I like that though. Like when you have a song that just, for you know, for me, one of the modern ones that really just captures that painful like sense of loss is where did the rock go from School of Rock? Because you just, you feel this emotion in the character being kind of broken at, they, they're, they're losing something that means the world to them, but they just can't, they can't capture that again. And with Cinderella, by the sounds of it, she's losing the prince and she has to be heartbroken, but she's trying to spare him the pain of it by by becoming the villain, becoming the bad guy and, you know, showing how much she loves him by kind of removing that that feeling for her so that he can move on, even though she wouldn't be able to move on. That just sounds heartbreaking. Yeah, it, that's it. She's basically being smuggled out in tunnels. She's got a black cloak on. It's very dark it's night being guided out of, through these tunnels with torches and she knows that she's never going to be allowed back and that's what I find I think that's why that's probably the most powerful song for me yeah because there's so much to it that for me my barometer for like you know when we do the whole which role would you play which song would you sing I'm drawn to the things that are layered that there's so much going on that really tests you as a performer. And it sounds like this one is that kind of... That's it, though. I don't think there is even the evil stepsisters, one of whom is played by Sherry Houston, which I find quite funny, especially considering what she's gone on to do since. But yeah. I think every single one of those characters has got depth to them, even the really, not shallow, but a bit dim and very effect cousin played by Julian Orchard, who is probably better known for his carry-on roles. Yeah. He plays the cousin who's basically saying, well, if you don't want them, I'll have them. <laughs> it's so funny. Because you can just see, as an adult, you can see why that would be more funny. Yeah. Because it, it goes over your head as a child. Exactly. The You know, the hallmark of a good kids' film is one that has those hidden adult jokes that as you grow up, you get but you know as an adult who has to watch it again and again and again with you know your your little one you can still find something to laugh at mm, exactly but i don't think this would be a film that you'd sit down with your little ones and watch because they wouldn't sit down and watch it yeah especially nowadays long. yeah it's i think you are spot on when you say like attention spans and if you ever watch like the t the commercials for kids toys it's literally shot after shot after shot there's no breathing room mm. you know you can't it's, it's the reason why kids can't focus nowadays because that's what they're subjected to 
I don't have TV, so I'm kind of excluded from that. When I go to a friend's house or my parent or my mum's house, and she's got the TV on and there's adverts, I'm thinking I've never seen this one before. And they're saying, but this has been out for a year, and I'm thinking, well, that's fine. <laughs> I can't remember the last time we watched like a proper advert. I think you showed me a Heineken one that had gone viral, but yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, on I literally watch adverts on YouTube. And that's it. <laughs> But is that because you've seen a snippet of it and think, oh, that might be interesting? <laughs> yeah. No, like, yeah, it's not like I'm getting adverts for the videos I'm watching. I search for adverts. <laughs> oh, such a fun life you lead. I know. I'm so excited. So I, I think, you know, you've done a really good job of selling me on this show and, you know, Drew as well. Oh, absolutely. If, if there's anyone on the fence about this show, how would you usually look to sell them? Like, what would be your, your unique selling point for, for this musical? I'd say that it's unlike any other Cinderella. That is one of the biggest selling points. Cinderella was never my favourite. Yeah. Disney Cinderella? Nah. My friend's mum actually made the Cinderella dress from the Cinderella remake. Beautiful dress. Nah. Film. And I'm not massively keen on the Disney-esque musical side of it either. Yeah. Mm. But the costumes, the casting, everything to me, A, it's nostalgic. It says my childhood. But also it is so different from every other interpretation because they aren't focusing solely on her. Every other character has a role to play. It's not. Cinderella is everything. Every character has a part to play, and they are equally as important to the story. That is excellent. That's what I think, Miss. We've spoken about in the past. What more can you bring to Cinderella? Mm. And I think you've you've kind of you've pinpointed exactly what we've been missing is other sides to this story. You know, how does the prince feel about this? How does the stepmother feel about this? You know, what what is going on with them? Definitely now, I think I'm going to have to purchase this from, from my Amazon wish list. And, you know, second time in, in recent memory that you've been influencing my Amazon purchases because really? very much inspired by your one of your latest episodes in your Chris Evans season where you, you discussed Cersei. I have since oh. purchased that book and The Song of Achilles. Both amazing books. Incredible author. I wish you'd write more. <laughs> so for those of you listening who have never downloaded uh, an episode of Ray's podcast we're going to give Ray an opportunity just to kind of sell you because I am a big fan you know through lockdown I haven't been listening to as many podcasts as I once used to because I've not been walking to work as much but the, one of the few podcasts that has been a regular part of my my listening each week has been not before coffee so do you want to talk to our viewers a little bit about what your podcast's about. Well, thank you. That's a great intro. My podcast is Not Before Coffee, and I release once a week, normally on a Thursday. And I talk about films, though I don't talk so much about film reviews and what they're based on, how much money they made. I actually tend to do a kind of storytelling moment. So I'm talking about the film Essentially, I write an entire script as I'm watching it. Yeah. So I talk about each element of the film rather than the, this is how much it made and this is who sold in it, because there are loads of podcasts out there that do that really well. And then I talk about books without giving away any spoilers. So it's more than book. Which is so difficult to do. It is. <laughs> it's very difficult, especially when you love the book. 
if you don't like the book so much, it's quite easy to skim over elements of it. But when you love it, it's very difficult to keep to this is how I felt about it and these are the characters, but I'm not going to give anything away because I'm trying to encourage people to read it. Yeah. And then I come to the probably the bit that made me start the podcast in the first place, and that's talking about mental health. I was diagnosed with mental health problems when I was in my, actually before I was in my teens. So I've suffered with it for a very long time. I've had various treatments, medical help, medical interventions and medication. And I talk about what I think, what I feel, and also give tiny tidbits that I've learned as experiencing all these things so that people know they're not alone. And that's pretty much my podcast. Oh, and I talk about weird dreams too. <laughs> it is. Well, there's, there's so many, you know, good episodes. One of my favorite ones was, and, and you know, again, again, inspired me is you covered Mr. Right with Anna Kendrick. Oh, that that and film's amazing. I'd never heard of it, went and watched it, and I had a great time. If um, you could choose one of your podcasts, where would you say is the one that you think, you know, where you felt you just, you, you, you nailed it? Is there one that you think is a really good starting point for someone to check out what you're about? Well, people seem to really like the Lucifer episode, which was one of my first ones. But personally, my favourite is Wimbledon, because it's, oh, one, Wimbledon's of my, great. it's one of my favourite rom-coms and I think it's seriously underrated in fact loads of people haven't even heard of it I absolutely have not heard of that <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about we, we saw it in HMV today the one that has uh, Vision in Paul Bettany Paul Bettany and Kirsten Dunst you picked it up today you did and I was like it was cool. filmed outside where I went to my first concert I have not seen that yeah, a lot of it was filmed. A lot of it was filmed in Brighton, which is yeah. just down the road from me. Yeah, because they filmed outside the Concord Two music. It's not there anymore, unfortunately. But it was the place I went to for my first gig, and I remember watching it with my girlfriend at the time, being like, "I was there. I've been there." And it wasn't. Yeah, Concord Two is the one that's underneath the Radium, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it used to be called the Event when I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's so awesome, you know, because. I'm from Eastbourne, so the other side of Brighton. And I was watching it going, this is my home away from home. Exactly. That's that's what I thought about it. But also, I, I'm i not a massive tennis fan. Yeah. But this is a very, very different role for Paul Bettany. Mm, definitely. And that's what I liked about it. Because I think they had really good chemistry together. And it also starred quite a few people that were, it's got Nicola Costell, Costa what's his face from Game of Thrones, whose surname I can't pronounce, I'm so sorry. And also it's got John Favreau in it. Yeah, has it got John Favreau in it? I forgot he was in it. I know that uh, it's that uh enticed me to watch it when I was a teenager, but I forgot that John Favreau's in it. So there's yeah, there's a lot. And Sam Neill. Oh, of course. Oh, we're gonna have to watch that tonight, I think. Hmm. That's the plan. It's on Netflix at the moment. And that's another part of your show that I always find really useful as well, is you talk about what's new to streaming services. Yeah, I have gone away from that slightly in that I'm talking about what's on streaming services that I'm going to yeah. watch, rather than what's on streaming services, because they they got to the point where there was so much on. <laughs> the week of Disney Star <laughs> especially, I can imagine. Oh, yeah, that was actually what made me change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a little, it got a little, you know, <laughs> writing down, detailing everything. 
Um, you are on uh, Twitter and Instagram, aren't you? I am. I'm on Twitter as mead underscore three underscore mugs. It should really be mead six, but <laughs> I felt three was probably more sensible and people wouldn't look at me weirdly. And I'm on Instagram as not before coffee podcast, where I post images and things of books I've read, books I'm reading and the films that I've talked about. So if you are listening, we hope you're listening, go and check out Not Before Coffee on Twitter and on Instagram and follow Ray's journey, but also make sure download on Apple Podcasts on Spotify. Um, that's where I tend to listen to your podcasts. But I'm sure that it's, it's where all good podcasts can be found. Yeah, it's pretty much everywhere now. I think every, everyone is getting a list that is so long they'd be spending half their episode telling people where to find them. I've often thought about just uh, pre-recording it now and just adding it onto the end of the episodes. But <laughs> just end the episode with "You'll find us where you find us." <laughs> it's been such a delight to have you on on the show. Uh, I've, I've really been looking forward to talking to you about musicals because I know how passionate you are about them. So thank you so much for taking some time out of your Friday evening uh, to come on and, and talk to us about it. It was absolutely my pleasure. And if I can convince one more person to watch this film, especially given the fact it's what, 30 something years old now? <laughs> it's quite mm. old. <laughs> actually, no, it's. No, I think that's one that we will be programming in as soon as possible. I think we need to do some Cinderella. Yes. We're going to do Phantom a year later. Why not do Cinderella a year later? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've convinced us. I think we're sold. <laughs> I'm glad. That's the thing. I mean, you've said you like Sherman Brothers, so and this is the only way to get it. Yeah, exactly. I'm surprised there isn't a uh, theatre show about this one. So watch this space. I'm sure we will be covering The Slipper and the Rose very, very soon. As always, you'll be able to find us on Twitter and Instagram at It's A Musical Podcast, and you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, the Amazon Music app via the podcast section, and Podbean. There's that elusive list of ever-long podcasts that you can find us on. But make sure you are subscribed, and whilst you're at it, subscribe to Not Before Coffee. And we will come at you next week, same bat place, bat channel. Have a wonderful afternoon, evening, morning, whatever.